0: This is Inside OU with... You hear the the ruse here in Memorial Stadium.
1: On the Franchise Podcast Network. And what's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Inside OU podcast. This is Brady Trantham. This is the midweek edition. Uh, no John Hoover today, but uh, this guy wasn't on Monday because he was busy. And today he's been apparently kicking ass all over the golf course. Uh, we we're podcasting a little bit later in the day than we had planned, but that's because Mr. Rufus Alexander had to go uh, take care of some business on the golf course. Rufus, how'd you do?
0: I did okay. I'm, I'm below 100, that's all I can say. <laughs> I'm below 100, which is a good thing. But it wasn't that I was. I thought I was going to be done. Yeah. The person I was playing with couldn't find his ball, so it made the <laughs> golfing experience go a little bit longer than I thought. And the golf course is a little crowded. They had a few people out there, so yeah, that yeah, went too bad.
1: No cheating was involved, right?
0: Nope, not a one.
1: Good, good. Um, I've played. I've only played golf a handful of times, and I'm like, I'm not good at all. Like, it's fun. You can't but
0: play. You can't play a handful of times and think it's going to be any. Oh really yeah, yeah. So it's
1: it's just been a matter of, um, let's just say I don't, it's above my pay grade to play golf consistently, <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, yeah, maybe someday I'll be good at it. But, uh, Rufus, you know, John and I got together on Monday night after he got a chance to talk to Lincoln Riley, um, mainly well, all we talked about UCLA, um, the 48 to 14 thrashing. Oh, you gave the Bruins last Saturday night. Um, mainly John was kind of enamored with, Every like it seemed like everybody on the team is kind of taken to Jalen Hurts's personality um, for the better, mainly just from the standpoint of they're proud of what they've been able to accomplish. They're proud of some of the strides that they've made, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, because that's where everyone's kind of focused on at this point with OU. But they're nowhere near satisfied with what, with where they are. They want to get to a much higher plane of football, and I just as a former player, I'm just curious is. Can that wear on you, just like whatever Jalen Hurts is giving the, the locker room right now, can that wear on you, or is it just, man, the guy's so good, the, the team has been so successful that you just, it's easier to buy at that point?
0: No, um, I don't think it'll wear on you. I mean, as far as you talking about just always looking, moving forward, always saying you got to get better, always saying you continue to grind and stuff like that, just kind of have that mentality as nothing's good enough. Uh, defensively, I mean, unless you are shutting somebody out zero and they have negative yards rushing, there's nothing that you can say that you can't improve on. But there were things in that UCLA game that was kind of a little bit more um a little bit glaring as well um as far as where kenneth murray was at in some of the plays as far as some of the blitz miseries that they had so they're not playing perfect football so to to beat any great team in a playoff you're going to have to play near perfect football to beat an alabama or clemson to make it to the next step in a college football playoff so um they haven't arrived yet because they haven't played any real competition. They've gone out and destroyed who they were supposed to destroy, which is good, which is what they couldn't do in the past. And now they're able to go out and destroy the team they're supposed to destroy. But when it comes down to that team that can equally, um, put forth the effort that you put forward on defense and no matter how much you have speed but you have to be more uh an intelligent cerebral player cerebral player and make the plays and have that knowledge that chess match you have to play within a game and make the tackles you're supposed to make can you do it on a consistent basis will you not let the tight end go down a vertical because you missed an assignment those things like that so they have not they have not made it yet and haven't arrived yet because they haven't played somebody that can challenge them on both sides of the ball.
1: You know, you just kind of said it, um, throwing over the middle to the tight end in the seam. Um you're obviously a former linebacker at OU, but watching that game, I am sitting there thinking, why the hell is Chip Kelly not throwing that pass once every drive? They they threw that pass what, two or three times? They scored a touchdown over it. Right. They had a big play over the middle and to me, like, obviously, I want OU to win. I want OU to destroy UCLA as much as possible. But I also want them to be kind of tested. Yep. And they were tested on that particular pass two or three times. And the reason why that I wanted that to happen was because the question mark, the big question mark for OU's defense is the back end, with the particularly with, with the safeties. In their few instances, they didn't pass that test but, again, I would just imagine you, as a former linebacker, is probably thinking, I can call a better game than this And what Chip Kelly's doing right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, you can and can't. I mean, he doesn't have the quarterback to do that. I mean, DTR, he, you drop him back enough, the offensive line is not protecting him. I mean, you saw when they started passing the ball a lot. I mean, Jalen Redman flood through, slapped, the gu- slapped by the guard and ran straight to the quarterback. Uh, Neville Gallimore had a free run at him perkins had a run at him i mean you had guys that had runs at your quarterback i mean you don't have the offensive line you can't really do nothing i mean the reason he couldn't see that pass to that um that tight end is because well hell he didn't want to step into that throw because he's been taking a beating the first two weeks of the <laughs> yeah. season. so i mean you get into the third game and you're pretty much up there in sacks and turnovers and you're getting hit and knocked to the ground you're taking you're getting pummeled. You're not really you trying to get rid of the ball, and that's I'm sure that's a lot of what Chip Kelly said. You know you got to protect yourself, and the players are not there to help him protect himself. Also, so he you telling to stand in there and take make a throw to a tight end whenever you're down by what three or four touchdowns? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's not looking like that's gonna happen. Uh, Guys in the in the pros don't usually once it gets to that point in the game and they know the game is over, don't really make that throw. They just kind of you know turn away and don't don't take a sack or take the hit.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it kind of even goes into this, this whole way of thinking about the defense, that, yeah, he doesn't want to step up into the pocket because he's gotten his ass kicked in the first few drives, and he continuously got his ass kicked, poor guy. Um, Well, that that comes from great pressure. That comes from great defensive line play, and it really won't matter if OU safeties are just, I guess, average at best. If Ronnie Perkins, Gallimore, Redmond, if they're creating havoc, you know, they don't have to get to the quarterback, but if they're just creating havoc in the pocket, those passes don't come. It's not like NCAA but, or MAD where you yeah, can just we, hit a button and they'll, the the pass is thrown. We
0: can't expect that to, to be the that's going to be the the norm the whole entire year. And um, that's they're going to play against better teams, better competition, offensive lines that offensive line that has a pulse, uh, offensive guys that has a pulse as well. So um, you're going to have to get better on that on that front. I mean the 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 safeties have to get better covering in space. Um, on the one of the plays where they kind of did a little in and out route on Turner uh, Turner Yule, and he missed. I mean, the way he closed down just kind of alarms me because he didn't move his, his hips or yeah. really anything very well to stay even close to that route. Um, little things like that, you know, you figure ah, you got to be better in that situation. So. Um, the back end has to continue to grow and get better i don't know if it was a miscue by the linebacker or a miscue by the safety on the one of the ones where they were blitzing and then the tight end was wide open down the middle of the um down the middle of the field because i believe it was uh, Mead that was in, I believe, at at linebacker, and he kind of delayed blitz. Yeah, um, which you would think because the way it looked like it looked like Buki was running towards the middle, and it means that other safety have to come down. So it's between the safety and the linebacker. They miss they misread on that. How you you can't have those situations where you do that and beat good teams. I remember we were playing Texas and we were up. Uh, playing against Texas and Lewis Baker was supposed to cover the tight end, and I was supposed to blitz. And Lewis Baker didn't cover the tight end; he blitzed, and I ended up picking up the tight end. But the defense was designed for me to blitz, and it would have been it would came clean if I went, and then he would have picked up the tight end. They couldn't see him; they couldn't see me. So little things like that, you kind of want to eliminate those things because it could have been a good play, and by you not understanding what you're supposed to do mess up somebody else. So, I yeah, me could have been faster on it, and he could have played the tight end. But you want to see him play a clean game, which is no perfect game.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I guess the caveat with all that would just be simply this, that Alex is force-feeding depth. I mean, like you just said, Brian Meade was out there. Brian Meade was out there in meaningful snaps when the game was still – technically in doubt you know that's that's something that we've seen over these last three games that Grinch is really trying to find some guys that he can depend upon maybe not necessarily to play big meaningful snaps I don't
0: think that was the meaningful snaps at that point I mean I don't think it was really. well
1: not that particular play yeah. but um I just remember it was 17 to 7 and Meade was out there and at first I like everybody else thought is Kenneth Murray okay but um I guess that's kind of the question that everybody has about. Okay, yeah, OU's done what they're supposed to do, which is a step in the right direction because we all know what happened last year and the last few seasons. Um, but the competition is what it is. It's not a, it's not OU's fault, but it is what it is. Like how ex- how excited can you be about this defensive line? And and because the defensive line goes, it's always, in my opinion, if you're if you have a good defense, it's because you've got a good defensive line. It makes everybody else look better
0: right um, I mean defensive line wise I mean I think they've been playing really good ball I mean Neville Gallimore is playing really good ball he's when he comes out um, Overton comes in and does a really good job as well when he gives him a break Fahamatu is getting healthy and get more and more healthy so he's getting there and giving you good meaningful snaps Redmond and Stokes are playing very well off of each other also And you got Ronnie Perkins that's doing well with Stripling uh, in the back in the back end helping him out as well subbing for him so those guys have a good rotation going between them um, is going to come that game where I think K-State you'll have to play you'll have to play Neville Gallimore and 5 mile two more because you're going to need more beef in the middle and Jalen Rettman is going to have to be a defensive end player and you'll you have to use the guys more of a three linebacker set and I think they're multiple enough to where they're going to be able to have to do that because they're going to be running downhill. I don't think you want to put Jalen Redman in between those guys. You're going to need to put a 300-pounder and a maybe a 280-pounder or 300-pounder at a nose tackle and a D-tackle so you can really kind of be more formidable as you penetrate because they're more splits down running straight at you. So it's interesting to see how – I'm interested to see how he will transform his defense because this smaller – Offense. this smaller defensive line, they're going to play against an offensive line that's going to be capable of moving Jalen Redman on a lead play, just going down double team and going off of him.
1: And it seems like Texas tech would be the kind of offensive line that can make that happen. Cause tech, I mean, for all their weaknesses that they've had over the years, one of their strengths has always been offensive line, and that goes back to the Mike Leach days because you, in order to pass the ball 60 times a game, you've got to have a bunch of guys that can go out there and block at a high level.
0: But yeah, but I don't think that'll test them that much, though, because no, they're, it's are wide open, and you're, you can put three, four defensive linemen. You can put um, Jalen Redman in that situation because he's going against passing guys. He's going up against a guard, and like I told Sam and everybody, I'm like, you're putting for the wide open spread teams, Jalen Redman is not a problem going up against a guard because you're putting one of the worst athletes, which is the guard, against one of the best athletes who is a defensive end that can move in and out. All it is is pass rush on a, on a guard Yeah, that's, yeah that's for, for super spread offenses, and all they're doing is zone blocking one way, zone blocking the other way. I mean, all I'm doing is using my speed and shooting the backfield. But for those offenses that's coming straight at you, I formation, if you watch K-State, they were in I formation and and kicked the dog crap out of Mississippi State and ran right at them. That's a lot different than, you know, being able to slap by a guard whenever he's in pass protection or going through a zone read, you know, zone, I mean, they zoning up to you. You're taking on half of a man when you got to take on two coming at you and you're 260, 70, 65 pounds. That's a, whole, that's a different animal. That's a different game.
1: So, I, I get, that's actually kind of interesting because I never thought of it that way in terms of like spe- when you're talking about it on an individual matchup level, Jalen Redman against your least, your less athletic offensive lineman being the guard. I guess from what you're saying, you're going to see that more and more against the teams like Texas Tech or West Virginia or um, trying to think who else just throws the ball around. Like everybody does, Oklahoma State, but their offensive line is pretty, like, thus far. Has impressed me a little uh, in terms of their history, their recent history with their offensive lines. But you're talking about Kansas State. Um, I also think about Texas. Like that's always that's going to be the test. And like to me, because uh, everybody knows OU has bye week this week. So I, I don't mean to get too ahead of myself. But the thing that frightens me about Texas Tech is. It seemed like UCLA, whatever success they had outside of that, the few seam routes that they actually were able to succeed um, I mean, succeed Bowman with. ain't going to be playing this so- Bowman's not going to play, of course, but uh, Duffy did come in last last year in the second half against OU in Lubbock, and up until I think his first three drives were terrible, but then he kind of settled in and realized, oh, yeah, this defense isn't very good. <laughs> well, this is not going to be the same defense. <laughs> it's not going to be the yeah, same gonna, defense. They're going to be in his it, face a little yeah, bit Yeah, they're playing in Norman, but um, – from watching the UCLA game again, it seemed like whenever they had success, it was throwing quick underneath routes, right, and, and not tackling well in space. Yeah, and that that's the the next point is if you don't have if the defensive line isn't able to get pressure, and it's kind of hard to get pressure when they are just like dead set on we're going to throw a three or four or five yard route. Like you're it's one two three. One, it's two, almost three, impossible yeah. to get there. But getting hands up, you know, all those cliches that you hear like from the time you start playing football in pee, we get your hands up um, just play with aggression, anything like that to me is what scares me the most about Texas tech, because if there's no pressure and tech is able to just be comfortable with their play calling because Trey Brown is missing tackles again, or because Parnell Motley starts biting on a short route and then he gets burned on the back end. That's when it gets interesting. And yes, half the league is going, is kind of trending more towards power offense like you were alluding to but still the other half is still dead wide open. dead set on wide open so um but the test is yet to be there but i do believe that tech will provide something that where after the game we could actually have a little bit of a better idea of what this defense is actually capable of.
0: Yeah, I think Texas is going to challenge him a little bit as well. I mean, they got some talented receivers. You're going to challenge. Parnell Molly is going to get challenged more by a more a more capable receiver of getting by him as well as Trey Brown. And that's what I'm waiting to see. I want to see the receivers that's able to challenge him at the line of scrimmage with speed that gives him a little bit of danger. The past few wide receivers that he's played against was not even in the same ballpark as him um and then you had then have a quarterback that can get the ball to either one of them anyway so for Texas Tech is it sucks that Bowman's not playing but you know it is what it is I mean it's benefit for OU but also uh you want to see those guys get tested you don't want to be their first test coming if they get into a college football playoff and they play against a Tua or a Lawrence or a Trevor Lawrence and you have to you know play against those receivers that's your first real test so I I'm, I'm excited to see the Texas Tech game whenever they play against those guys because they got talented receivers on the outside. They got guys that can challenge them vertically. They got guys that run really good, precise routes as well. So it's going to be fun to watch that game just on a pure technical standpoint to see how far Parnell Motley has come to see if Trey Brown's getting better at tackling. The one thing I need to, I need to see from Trey Brown is the, stop diving at the ground. Stop waiting on people. Shoot your shot. If you're going to go and shoot, just shoot your shot, don't wait and then try to shoot your shot so a guy can measure you up and stuff. Come up and go and get it.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if you saw any clips from Monday's press availability, but um, it was the defense that was available on Monday. So John was there, and he got to talk to Trey Brown. And I thought this was kind of interesting just because everybody knows the history of this defense recently. Um, But Trey Brown said to John and the other media that was assembled there that night, Um, I'm embarrassed about what I've done. Like I'm a good tackler and I haven't shown that. And I, I worked on X, Y, and Z in the off season to improve my game. And I let tackling fall by the wayside. And, the good thing that I'm taking from that is the defense has performed really well against yes shit competition, but they performed well. So now they can go back and look at some of their weaknesses and say it's okay. I can if I just get better at this, how much better can we be? As opposed to last season where they look at their weaknesses after three games and they're like, oh my god, I, I don't know what to do. I don't trust the right. coaching. They, I don't they
0: got a plan. I mean, the thing about you look at. Um Brown situation, you see that they ha- they have a plan and he's in position to make a play. He's just not the Davis kid is making ton of plays. He's coming up and he's he's not waiting on the back end. He sees it. He he pulls the trigger. It's, it's like he, they're sitting back there and they're waiting for a running back to come towards him and he's gonna shuffle his feet. Wait, wait. Rufus,
1: you know why, right? You know why Jaden Davis is making those plays. Why is that? Because he's a freshman. He hasn't been coached by Gary Cooks yet. Too long. He had not had the talent coached out of him. <laughs> um, but,
0: but for yeah. Brown, though, the thing about it, man, he, he's very talented. And all I would tell him on tackling is go back to what you've done in high school. If you made a ton of tackles in high school and went and you shot, I mean, whenever you saw it, you read, you react. I mean, I wasn't taught anything different on tackling when I got to OU that I've already known when I was in high school. Um, and so the only thing I learned was how to play the position of linebacker but my angles, my tackles and everything I did. It all stayed the same Isn't because I never led with my head or anything like that. He, He's last year. He wasn't the person that led with his head. So, I mean, you go in there and you make you go out there when you see it happening, go and shoot your shot and hit the guy. If he's coming to the inside, you go ahead and you tackle the leg. I mean, the one thing I got to say about about Brown is um, he can cover his butt off, and he, he showed it. He and, got a pick, yeah. And I mean, and he also he's always in the right position, and he sees it before it's happening. That's why he's in the right position. But he got to once he sees it, he got to start trusting it and then go in and make the tackle. I mean, it's either they make you miss over, they make you miss five yards down here, or they make you miss at one or two yards, or you make the tackle. But I love. I would love for them to go either sideways or have to make a move, so everybody can, you know, can corral and rally at a at a shorter distance instead of letting them have a full go and make a move on you. That's what I don't like. That's yeah. what I don't like and understand about what he's doing.
1: Yeah, and the reason why I'm basically giving him the benefit of the doubt on this is because of what you just said. He's got very good instincts, yeah. and an instinctual football player like that is is. Ninety-nine percent of the time, very good fundamentally. And well, it's what's two oh, straight, he, it's two games straight, and
0: oh, uh, three? No, it's three games straight because Houston, he had one where he could hit the running. Well, back that's that's well. what I was going to say next. Like
1: that, that, that's the sad thing is of all the the touch the the few touchdowns that OU was given up, and of course they gave up thirty-one points against Houston, but it was what forty-two to fourteen or forty-two seventeen going into the fourth. So, yeah. so of all those points that this defense has given up in three games, you know, a handful of them have been against backups. Oh well, that happens. Um, but there have been two that have been pretty damn unforgivable. One of, and both of them had to do with Trey Brown. It was that one on the open field whiff against Houston, and then this one where I don't even know what he was. Was he in? Did he get the wrong call? Was he in the wrong spot? Because Buki was the first guy to the um, to the receiver after the um, out route. But you're talking it,
0: about the one where Buki hit him and the guy just didn't even break stride. No, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean at that point it's just it's it's uh it's science. Five foot eight versus someone taller and bigger running straight.
0: No, <laughs> no, that's not science. I mean, look, man, you play with a helmet and shoulder pads, you expect to go out there and make the play, at least grab that a is leg. True. At least grab a leg and hold on for dear life. Um but but for Buki, I mean, I, I, it wasn't his best game, but he's he played solid. He's not a, I mean, he's been playing some good football.
1: I so, thought he had an on and off game against yeah. UCLA. He had some really good moments. He had some really last season moments.
0: Yeah, and, and I just think you know he has limitations, and you're gonna those things will show up every now and then in games. But overall, I'm I'm pleased on his bounce back from last season so far. Oh yeah, me too. Because I think he, his downward spiral was. Once it started going bad, it continued to go bad and never got better. Um, We'll see as the competition grows and gets better. Uh, UCLA was kind of one of those ones I think he had just an average game maybe. It balanced out. Yeah, Yeah. just an average game. And so that's better talent. So I need to see him have that, that, uh, that game he had against South Dakota, against UCLA, and make plays. Because they don't have the top echelon of talent. They just have talent. As well as far as players go that you get for a D1 school, they're a Power Five school, so you want to see him have one of those games that he had against a South Dakota because of who it is in UCLA, and not have a, pro- a situation where he misses a tackle out in open field against a deep a, a five star or four star athlete or somebody that is of his equal supposedly of his equal caliber.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the tipping point for me last year with Buki, it wasn't the three or four drop pick sixes that he, um, didn't, that he ultimately didn't come up with. It wasn't anything like that, but there was just one particular moment in the second half against Texas where they called a nickel blitz. Buki went up and the, the right tackle didn't even hit him yet, but it was really apparent like the spacing Buki wasn't going to be able to do anything about it. And he just stopped. Mm -hmm. And my, like I've said on this podcast before, my dream for Buki is Beyonce Jones Just be aggressive. If you're going to do something, look badass doing it. And just try to do it as 100% as you can. And there were some examples against UCLA that kind of reminded me of that Texas moment where the effort was kind of half-assed there. Right. And he just kind of like, well, he's going to score or he's going to pick up a first down, so I'm just going to make an effort for the legs and nothing more. I don't want to see any of that crap because... As we all know, the competition, at least on the perimeter, is going to get tougher and tougher in the Big 12.
0: Yeah, it'll, it'll get better. Um, but the other thing is, which you're going to realize, I think, I think they're going to start moving other people around and try to get some more competition. Cause I think it uh, was the kid, the Davis kid. Jaden Davis. Jaden Davis. Jaden Davis is a kid that
1: – He's forcing himself onto the he, field more and more. He's
0: like, man, that kid's out there making hits, making plays. Let me see if I can move him in the nickel and how he plays, if he blitzes well and if he covers well. Um, you know, if something else happens, we can always move him the corner because he knows how to play it. It's going to be something where they're going to have to figure to get somebody in there that is not afraid to come up and tackle. I'm not saying he's afraid, but somebody is not going to put their nose in there on a blitz. I mean, he's he comes some. He comes sometimes, and he blitzes whenever he has a clean shot. And then sometimes he just doesn't come, and and he just shows it with effort and stuff. So, I'm looking at Grinch to get it fixed, and um, you may see a little bit more chance Selvey in his next game as well to see how he does. Also, yeah, I didn't mean, see much of him against UCLA. Justin Broyles
1: had a. He kind of he made an appearance and had a really good showing. I thought. Yeah. Um, Broyles
0: showed up as well. Um, you got Barnes got in there as well. I mean eh.
1: Oh man. <laughs> yeah, you know. Or eh. almost to the four game red shirt or I'm going to transfer point. <laughs> point yeah,
0: I, I just don't I don't see him getting any I mean I haven't seen him get any better. It's just kind of the, a lot it, of the same.
1: It's a sh- it's a shame with Robert because everybody knows that he's an OU legacy. He was a highly thought of, highly recruited guy out of high school and for whatever reason be it unfortunate injuries, be it what we always joke about with the uh secondary coaching over these last few years, making people worse or Josh Jacobs just ruining his football career. Uh, I, mean, I, don't think it, I don't think I mean, that, that, that's what people will say. That's what fans will kind of cling yeah. to as their memory. And that's why, but it, yeah, if you, anyone that's there. played football, it's, it doesn't work that way.
0: I, I just think he just, you know, he just, he's often injured and he has to, man, football is such a having confidence in your body and all that stuff. And, um you know you get every time you 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 feel like you're great and you're good and every time you go out there and really play and you get a twinge here and there you get a hamstring you get a setback so uh it has to be tough for him mentally also man and for me i think it's tough because i think the kid has so much potential so much talent and i would love for that kid to get on the field and really showcase that um he just doesn't play up to his size, and that's the unfortunate part. And he doesn't. And I think after a while, he hopefully he starts trusting what Grinch is saying on the back end, because he can come up there and play some football.
1: Yeah, and before we get to Alex Grinch, I wanted to. Uh, I I asked you this question before we went on air. Um, I watched the not the highlights. I watched kind of the sped up version of the UCLA game, and I was trying to pick out some players here and there for a few drives and just kind of keep an eye on them and um, Kenneth Murray who had a really huge game against Houston um, a lot of tackles a lot of you know game tone setting tackles and early on in that first quarter Um, didn't really play that much against South Dakota which is that's going to happen Um, UCLA there weren't I came away from the first showing or the first viewing of that game I came away thinking well I didn't really notice him so that's either a good or a bad thing. Cause what I noticed was a lot of the defensive line wreaking havoc and the secondary making some plays here and there. So then I watched Kenneth Murray and I noticed something that I've always kind of heard about him. Something that I've always kind of known about him when you see bad highlights of his play and it, it, it deals with lateral speed. And when I say lateral speed for those listening, I'm not literally meaning when he turns his hips and has to run to the sideline because somebody t- bounces it outside. What I mean is shuffling his feet and avoiding uh, just the the noise, just avoiding like if the offensive lineman pushes a defensive tackle up into his face, it really seems like that he struggles with getting around that type of pressure. And when your middle linebacker isn't able to get out of that mess, that's why you see somebody break through the initial line of scrimmage and then pop up for about a 10-yard at least gain. We saw that on the first or second play against UCLA. Happened a few more times, I believe, not the – not the first drive after halftime where they went on a seven-minute scoring drive, but the next drive um, they got sacked and then the next play was like a 40-yard rush and it was the same exact example of he got caught up in the business and he couldn't shuffle out of that. So Rufus Alexander, former linebacker, is that something that can be corrected and just kind of break down what, what exactly I'm talking about from a more football technical perspective?
0: Right. So what we call it is he's getting caught up in the trash, getting caught up in all the debris and trash in the front of him. That's the offensive line pushing the defensive line back and putting somebody in his lap. Um, you know, you kind of attribute it to two things. Uh, one, he's not, seen, he not, he's not seen and diagnosing the offensive play clearly, and he doesn't know where he needs to be and how he's being attacked as far as the blocking scheme that's coming at him. Um the other thing though the will linebacker had a better better game this game. Both will linebackers played pretty good. White I think had the best game, more consistent game out of the all. He the was wreaking
1: havoc like anytime he got sent up the middle like yep. it, it, that play got destroyed.
0: He was doing a really good job and he also made some good tech plays on the zone running scheme. What a few times what was happening to Neville Gallimore, he was getting double pushed back. And then he got to come off that side and he did he wouldn't come off the side. He was like more kind of waiting, waiting, waiting to find some hole or something for it to open up when it was off to the left or right of where he was supposed to be. One time they would, uh, the running back snuck out of the left side, he got, sn- he got stuck up in all the trash and stuff. It said it of come off to the left and it would have came, the ball would have came right to him. Um, So it's little things like that that I think he needs to kind of continue to get better at and focus on. Um, and it all comes from the diagnosing the play and trusting where the ball is going to be, not where it's at, where it's going to be. If there's all this stuff here in the middle, the ball has to either bounce outside or the guys in the middle are going to make the tackle. You can't stand in the middle with everybody else. You have to poke your head on the outside a little bit. And I think that if he starts to do that a little bit, once he starts to break down the plays a little bit better, He'll realize that whenever gaps close all up in the inside, the ball's going to have to bounce to the outside. Any good running back is going to take it to the to whenever he sees daylight.
1: Yeah, and I, I think you described it to me before we went on air as playing the piano, right?
0: Yep, you call it playing the piano. You got to play down the line, play the piano.
1: Yeah, and uh, is that something that we should be giving him the benefit of the doubt in terms of like when you when you're saying he's not he doesn't necessarily know how he's supposed to attack. Should we give him the benefit of the doubt because he's playing under a new a new scheme, new no. system, a new coach? Because that, that's probably the, that's the answer I was looking for <laughs> because that's, for that's what? what we've seen the last two seasons since he's been at OU. Like that's always been a recurring problem. And that's why against teams that are more power rushing, UCLA is not a power rush team and he still had this problem. Kansas State and Texas are going to annihilate him if he doesn't, or not yeah. necessarily annihilate him, but take him out of the game. Uh, he's
0: going to have to see it a little bit better and play off the edge of somebody. But, I mean, he, he's he's, – I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt. He's too old of a player, been been in too many games for him. And then now he's finally in a defense where he's, he's covered up and can run. And he should be able to diagnose and see the gaps quick. Um, Neville, Neville Gallimore wasn't, like, say, getting killed and blown off the line. The reason why Neville Gallimore was getting blown off the line is because Kenneth Murray didn't show up in the B or A gap. So that means the double team can stay on him longer till Kenneth Murray shows up. So by the time Kenneth Murray shows up, the line then already had that push all the way back, and now they can trap him. So that's the problem. Um, they they're you're looking at it to where the offense, the defensive line, and the linebackers have to play off of each other. They fit like a glove, right? So if you the longer the linebacker stays back there, the more time the offensive line has to push on the linebacker. And so if the offensive line has three and four seconds to stay on this defensive lineman, I mean, Neville Gallimore is taking on 600 pounds. So, again, I mean, if Kenneth Murray shows up fast in that, ga- in that gap where he's supposed to be, that guard has to come off on Kenneth Murray early and it lets Neville Gallimore fight off the center or guard and stay heavier in that gap. Instead, you're getting them pushed back in your lap and then the guard's coming off and they kind of work in a little wall and trapping you off and, you know, turning you off. That's more his fault than it is Neville's fault. And that's the thing that he is when I say he has to diagnose the play a lot faster so he can get in that gap to help Neville out. Um I, and I and I can relate it to the plays that I've been coached on and that I've seen other players, other coaches coach people on. Coach Ship would always he would come to the sideline, he would cuss you out, say, hey man, my, my defensive lineman want to come to the party too. I mean, he's holding up two people. Get your butt downhill. And that's what he needs to do, get downhill in the gap he's supposed to get in.
1: Yeah, exactly, because everybody knows how athletically gifted he is. And when he's able to use utilize that athleticism, oh. he, he looks like a, an all-conference, all-American-type linebacker. If
0: he sees it, it's trouble. yeah, yeah. If he sees where he's supposed to go, he is shot out of a cannon and he's coming to wreak havoc. But if he doesn't know where he's supposed to go, you can visibly see it. On film, you can see it because he's not involved in a play that's at the line of scrimmage. You always want your a linebacker being involved in any of the run plays that's at the line of scrimmage. You want him to be in on those on those plays unless it's a, a two or three yard loss and they made a tackle and swing the guy back. But if it's at the line of scrimmage, that linebacker needs to be involved in it.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, thankfully OU has a bye week. But I mean, if, like we've just said, if Kenneth Murray hasn't been able to figure it all out by now, I mean, it's just a, it's just another week. But, but hopefully, I
0: mean, it's not. It's not saying so he doesn't figure it out. I think it's just inconsistent. It's up and down. Sometimes he get it, sometimes he don't. Sometimes he get it,
1: sometimes And he sometimes doesn't. it's taken players two or three years for something to click. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. Right. Nothing has been super disappointing for me about Kenneth Murray. Like I said, no. there have been more times where I just didn't really notice him, and not in a negative way. Yeah.
0: So. I mean, he missed a tackle earlier on and that high that high tackle. Tried to reach the, again. Tried to reach yeah. and go over the top of a guy, almost kind of take him by, off, almost look like he's taken off their head. He's going to, have to start putting a little bit of his body on some people here coming up pretty soon. Yeah, competi- play against some good p- competition that's going to just throw him off off that tackle.
1: Mm-hmm. And I guess uh, for the next thing, it'd just be like Alex Grinch over the last three games. I mean, other than the obvious that everybody can see, that fans can even see, like the defensive line is getting pressure and getting sacks. Um, the secondary isn't getting beat, even though I mean Houston had a pretty good skill set of players they've got a good offense UCLA has some talent but they're ugh, South Dakota whatever um what, what have you noticed that maybe the casual football fan the casual OU fan um wouldn't notice just necessarily about or specifically about Alex Grinch and the changes he's brought forth and is it something as simple as this team just needed a different philosophy or a different voice
0: no I, I think um Everybody notices – I mean, I, it's nothing that I can say that the fan, the common fan, hadn't seen. Um, I think skill-wise, they're they're playing with better technique. I think they needed another voice. Um, and I was one that I always thought that Mike could write the ship and he can get things better if, you know, if he just got the right talent into it. And I still think that he can coach. But it was just where he was at. I didn't think he had the right group and core of coaches with him. Now they have – I think – It's not only that the voice is different with that, with Alex Grinch and philosophy is different. The coaching staff complements each other very well. Everybody complements each other very well. Coach Manning to Coach Grinch to Calvin Thibodeau to Coach Odom um, as well. Um, Those all those guys, they're doing a great job. Even Ruffin, Coach Coach Ruffin McNeil as well. He's he got his niche as well, and how he keeps the guys together. He's like the glue guy. But all them other guys are; those guys are crazy. I mean, I watch Coach Odom on the sideline. He is in, he's an intense dude, and I love it because Venables was an intense dude. Yeah, Mike was an intense dude. Manning is an intense dude. He's all he's positive, but he is intense. And you have all those three guys that's in that very important positions. Those are intense guys, as well as Calvin Thibodeau. Coach Thibodeau is just. He, he's such a technician as far as what he does. But those other guys, man, once that co- that core of that group works really well together, then you could move in the right direction, the right lock and step. But I, I just think the, the coaching staff that was there with Mike and Mike himself with being stubborn and how he was doing things, I just didn't think the whole – the group meshed well together. And once that group wasn't meshing well together, you just kind of saw a situation where they just – just kinda of were flat when they came out to play.
1: Yeah. And I mean, as a fan, it's always fun to kind of see an assistant coach that's they're coaching on the sideline, but they're coaching in such a way that they feel like that they are physically playing the game themselves. Like 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 you said, Venables was like that. Mike right. Stoops back in the in the you, day, like you kind of fed off that but you
0: if you go back and you look at the sideline of the last few years, you don't see that guy on the sideline. I mean you look at Grinch. Whenever something bad happens in the game, you can look at his face and you can be like, "Oh crap!" Yeah, the camera like, caught him saying, "Let's can go." Yeah, you look <laughs> at, after the sack. Yeah, you you look at like a a madman that wants everything to be perfect and done the right way. You look at if you if they put a camera on Odom as well, and somebody doesn't do something, the man is intense. Same thing with coach with Coach Manning, and those guys where are they where are those guys at? They're all on the sideline. And the players have to feed off of that energy. Well, you got one madman, which is Mike Stoops. He's way up in a booth up there that can't really reach out and get a kid. And you, you look at Kerry Cooks. He was so cool and laid back and, you know, like, oh, my guy's going to get it. They got it. You know, same thing with, with Coach Kish. Coach Kish was a great he's a great guy. I mean, the kids loved him. But you, just, he was this that he wasn't that so intense guy that you kind of come to the sideline like, man, I messed up. I don't want to go and face that guy, you know, and so you kind of now you have that different mode, that different mindset. And I just love watching it now. And and they needed a new philosophy. Um, Obviously, they needed a new surroundings and coaching staff and how it all played out, because these are the same. These are the same kids that was with Mike. A few added a few young people and they are performing right now. Where they would struggle back in, you know, like a few years ago, last year. And I'm saying it's not, it's not the, 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 the jury's not out yet. But these kids are performing. They're doing some really good things. Now I'm waiting to see if this thing continues to grow and grad, and gradually get continue to get better, which I think it will. But I just love the intensity of the coaches and the passion of the coaches and how they're coaching on the sideline and how they're not letting anybody get away with a little one little small thing here or there. That's how it used to be on, on defense, and it's now that way on offense. You can't get away with a little thing with Beambo. You come to the sideline, and Bimbo is giving you the business. You can't get away with a little thing at wide receiver. You know why? Because there's a young freshman breathing down your neck, right? So at the quarterback position, you can't do this at the quarterback position because there's a five-star guy sitting right there on the bench that's breathing down your neck that if he gets in, you're never going to see the light of day again. So again, they have they're too deep, and they they got guys pushing guys. And on the defensive side, now you kind of have somebody moving lockstep with how the offense is moving. There's young guys breathing down your neck. There's coaches that's going to give them an opportunity to take your job. All those really great things that you want to have for a defense. That's how they get better. And. Like I said, you have to appreciate what those coaches and what that staff is doing for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think anybody that's ever played football or really any sport, you know, could probably attest to this. I mean, nope, when you're young, it sucks to have an intense coach to get screamed at, you know, in front of all your teammates in practice or on, on the sideline in front of all your parents during a game. But, I mean, more times than not, those intense coaches, they bring the most out of you. Because like, just like you said, like, you can – the last few seasons probably players could go to the sideline and feel comfortable about making a mistake because they weren't going to get just chastised. Now that's that's not necessarily on the table, but yeah. Right,
0: and I, I've like I said, I've seen things on the sideline last year that would make you say like... Damn, I mean, if I if it was me back in the day, I'd get my ass kicked. I'll get, I mean, I get coached. I'll get screamed. I mean, I'll get. I would not get put back in the Vittables game. Venable's
1: would scream at you guys even if you made a good play. play. Yeah, made a good play. <laughs> you weren't supposed to be there because, to make that good play because it's
0: somebody else's, it was somebody else's job. And you got he wants that other person to be where it's supposed to be. Hey, you lucked out right there. That if they if they do this, you're gonna you're gonna be in trouble. So you'd always know it's attention to detail. Yeah, and so but. This I've just seen things that have happened on the sideline that was like, man, I would never play that kid again. If he said if he did that crap on the sideline, it's just things like that. I mean, and now they don't. Now you you come on the sideline and you have that punk attitude. Oh, well, don't worry about it. I'll just play somebody else and keep on moving with the other people that I have. You can go ahead and sit down. And you can go and find somewhere else to go. I'm gonna recruit to replace you. I'm gonna find somebody else to come in here and play. I'll play a freshman. I'll play a walk on. I don't care. But you have to make guys really want to be perfect at what they do. If you don't make guys be perfect at what they do, and then guys will just think the they'll do the bare minimum to be to think and think that's their best because they're better than the person that's right there. Nobody's giving that guy a chance. Everybody now believes that they can be a starter. The Jaden the Davis kid believes he can be a starter because he's getting opportunities. And the uh, the white uh, Sean White thought he had it sewed up, but Ryan Jones he g- was given an opportunity. So, I mean, it, you can keep going down the line, right? And kids are starting to perform and may being and and sh- paying attention to detail. It's no coincidence that uh, Brown came out and said, "You know what? I let this fall by the wayside. I need to get better at this because he there's knows. a young kid <laughs> that's right there that they want to play." This is the same thing. I mean, I'm telling you, it's competition breeds, makes a guy want to be a better player because of the uh, the chance of you can lose everything because somebody behind you is really good or is playing really talented and playing and being a consistent player.
1: Yeah, and I mean, these are all encouraging things. These are all very encouraging th- encouraging things about this defense. And when was the last time that we could sit here and say that, you know, a few weeks into the season, hey, it's been encouraging. So we, we will find out. But before we get out of here, Rufus, uh, last week on the pod, you were very excited about the previous week's slate of Big Twelve games, and it, it, Texas Tech disappointed against Arizona. They lost Bowman midway through that game. I don't know if that was really going to change. Yeah, I thought it was going
0: to give Arizona State, uh, Arizona, a little bit more. Yeah, it magnetic. was. It
1: was a little shocking considering how what we saw from Arizona in that first week against Hawaii. But other than that, Kansas State goes down to Starkville. Um, in Starksville, excuse me, and beats Mississippi State basically at their Not own. I say
0: beat them. They put a whooping on them. They yeah. took them in an eye formation. How disrespectful yeah. is that? You get the SEC defense go out there and get disrespected by a team getting an eye formation and pretty much running the ball down your throat saying, you know what, just take it. You know, you can't do nothing about it. I'm gonna run I right, I left. I'm going to just I'm gonna run it left, I'm gonna run it right. You just take it in the face and just get keep getting punched and nothing they yeah. can do about it. They bloodied their nose and they kept punching them in the same nose over and over again.
1: Yeah, and I I told John on Monday like watching that game um, cuz you and I we were we were at Twin Peaks uh, for the franchises uh, pregame shows all day. So I'm sitting there watching it and at the time Kansas State was down 7 points and they continuously kept you know kicking themselves in their in the foot. And I I I was watching it thinking they're going to lose this game and I'm going to come away from it saying they screwed around so much and they should have won this game. But then it's like, they just said, you know what? Let's just win the game now. Like screw yeah. it. And to do that on the road. And it's like, yeah, who knows how good Mississippi Especially state is. Yeah. That's who, still hard who, who knows how good they are, but still you're going on the road against a power five opponent uh, at the, le- and you're the level of Kansas state who like, last year Mississippi state destroyed Kansas state. Yeah. So I mean that's a great quality win for the Big Twelve. Texas had a really big rebound win, and you know, yes, Rice. You know, yeah, we we both kind of agree that there could be the uh, the letdown, but they're but they're going to beat Rice pretty handily. They beat Rice. They beat Black Means too. Um, let's see, TCU goes up to Purdue, um, beats them pretty handily. Yeah, solid victory.
0: Solid victory for uh, TCU. Um. Who else? Uh, Kansas is the one that's big shot. Yeah, I was gonna say. I, I said Kansas was gonna play a close game. I'll take Kansas in the points. Even when I talked to Jerry on the radio, I told him I'm taking Kansas in the points. It's gonna be a close game because Les Miles is not gonna. He's not gonna get beat down like that. Like he got beat by Coastal Carolina. Expect these guys to have a really good showing, and they came out and they actually took it to, boy, Boston College.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you're a player because I actually wanted to ask you about uh, Les Miles and just the type of teams that he was able to coach, because you obviously played against him a few times when he was still at Oklahoma State. Um, I I think people are, again, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. OU plays Texas Tech, not this Saturday, but next Saturday, and then they have to go to Lawrence. It's a game OU's probably going to win, but you see what Kansas is able to do on the road against a team that over the last few years has had one of the better defenses statistically, um, like I said, over the last few seasons. It kind of freaks me out. The Les Miles factor, what what type of teams does he typically have, especially against the bigger programs like Oklahoma? They're,
0: they're always tough-minded, hard-nosed teams. They're always going to come and give you their all. But, they, but it's one thing you know. Whenever you're going to play against a Les Miles team, um, they're, you're going to be in a physical battle. You better be ready to play physically. He, you may be able to knock them out a little bit earlier if you, if you can get up on them. And for a team like Kansas, you have to be able to knock them out early. So they can, you know, because they still have doubt, but they don't have, you know, it's kind of, they're kind of in the middle right now and trusting them and not trusting them. And sometimes they go back to doing their old thing. So you got to, you got to smother him. He's going to have a scheme. He's going to have something ready for you. Whenever you play against Kansas, you just have to be ready to counter that and make plays and put them out of their misery first, early on. If you don't, you let them hang around. They'll start believing and less miles. up. figure something out. The Mad Hatter, he's always has a sound defensive team, a sound special teams team, they're always pretty sound all around.
1: Yeah, and again, I, I I'm not too frightened of it, but it just seems like you know, Les Miles was in that kind of a similar position in Oklahoma State when he started his head coaching career down up there. Um, all it took was one big program-defining win um, against OU and Norman in 2001, and it really helped the, the program buy into his schemes, into his personality. Um, we'll see from Kansas because they, I think, they got West Virginia this week, right? I believe. West
0: Virginia came out with a big one as well. Yeah. And NC State. I guess. They didn't uh,
1: and, and NC State's another solid program over the last few years. They're they're never terrible. They're never great, but they're just a team that you can never take lightly. So it's a good win for the Big Twelve. I thought it was a great week for the Big Twelve. It's the first time that we've been this far into the season where I thought hey, like maybe this conference is maybe the second or second best conference in the country. Who we're knows?
0: Not, we're not total turds. We could play some football.
1: <laughs> us, but it's all good. Well, um, well Rufus, just uh, thanks for jumping on your own podcast, like I always say. Thanks for jumping on your own podcast. But um, everybody, um, obviously there's no uh, game this weekend. Uh, we'll try and do something special for you guys on Saturday. Uh, Rufus, do you have any big weekend plans? What no. are you going to be doing?
0: Sit at home, drink some beer, watch some football.
1: Okay, well, real quick, who you got, OSU or Texas?
0: I uh, hope they both lose. I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, it's
1: it's a shame it's not like the NFL where ties happen like once every like, – it uh, seems like every week. <laughs> yeah, I hope can they
0: you? both lose, but it's all good. I mean, if OSU wins, OSU can kind of jump up the ranks a little bit. Texas wins, they can always say that Texas is back and whatever. But, I mean, I really don't care. Um, it's just, you know – because I'm cool with Sam. Uh, hopefully, OSU wins so it can be like a there you go. crazy bedlam.
1: Yeah. I mean, what, OSU's beaten Texas and Austin like for the last five times. Oh, my God. And it's like, yeah, Texas has been bad, but
0: still. Five times in a row, that's not good.
1: Whew. Well, we will find out on Saturday. Rufus, as always, thank you so much, my friend. Uh, Everybody, thank you for listening to the Inside OU podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review, and all that good stuff. Uh, Listen to all the other podcasts on the Franchise Podcast Network, of course, as well. You'll hear about that um, from the disembodied voice on the outro. But for Mr. Rufus Alexander, this is Brady Trantham, and y'all have a good rest of your day.
0: Listen to Brady Trantham Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at Brady Does Sports. Listen to John Hoover weekdays from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at John E. Hoover. Subscribe, rate, and review all the podcasts in the Franchise Podcast Network the sam mays podcast all in inside ou okc 82 and intimate with tv's jerry can be found in all the places you listen to your podcasts seriously just subscribe you don't even have to listen